Hey, everybody, fan the Charlie Kirk Show. We look to Canada. Boy, what a mess up there. Tucker goes to Canada. And then Tom Fitton joins the program, as well as Ezra Levant. Lots to talk about. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. And who is having a harder time right now, the Democrats or the Republicans nominating a candidate? The answer might surprise you, so listen to the end. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Subscribe to our podcast and get involved with Turning Point USA, tpusa.com. And just a statement of gratitude. Thank you guys for the amazing support and prayers and always having our back. It means so much to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for the prayers. And thank you for supporting us. Email us, as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Subscribe to our podcast and become a member, members.charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Noble Gold Investments is the official gold sponsor of The Charlie Kirk Show a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. It's important to keep our eye to our neighbors to the north. Canada is a beautiful country that has just been terrorized by awful people. Joining us now is Ezra Levant, who does a great job, and he runs Rebel News. Ezra, thank you for taking the time. Uh, give us the latest here as we're still trying to get to justice and moral clarity post-trucker protests a couple years ago. Thanks, Charlie. You might recall that Canada had very harsh lockdowns. There was a no-fly list. If you didn't have a jab, you were not allowed on any airplanes or trains. And by the way, we're the second largest country in the world. Uh, the, the giant province of Quebec had a mandatory curfew. You couldn't leave your home between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. even if you were jabbed. So we were one of the most locked down places in the world. But then a miracle happened, not coming from law professors or any elites or politicians, but grassroots working class truckers said enough is enough. And they had this huge convoy that drove to Ottawa and honked their horns and waved flags. It was extremely peaceful. It was beautiful bouncy castles, hot tubs. It was a real festival feeling. Uh, It was amazing. And Trudeau, our left-wing prime minister, was embarrassed. So he brought in martial law. The Emergencies Act has never been used before, not even during 9-11, Charlie. And Trudeau invoked this law, deployed riot police, jailed his critics, seized hundreds of bank accounts of his political opponents without any legal process, and basically smashed democracy. Well, uh, two days ago, a bit of a miracle happened. The Federal Court of Canada finally issued a ruling that the martial law was illegal, that it was against the law, that he violated our constitutional rights. And I, I have begun to lost hope in our system because none of the checks and balances have been working. In Canada, justice is really slow, Charlie, but finally it happened this week. Justin Trudeau was declared a lawbreaker, a civil rights violator, 
uh, a man who broke the law. And it's it's just been an amazing vindication of those peaceful protesters. Justin Trudeau wanted those truckers to be his January 6th insurrection moment. That was the narrative. He was trying to copy the January 6th narrative from the states. It blew up in his face. He's the one that the courts have contemned as a lawbreaker. So, so Ezra, I, I want to elaborate on this because Trudeau kind of plays this fake live and let live, you know, very agreeable. Per- but on an, he turns on a dime into a Canadian Mussolini. Can you elaborate on that? Because deep within every liberal is a totalitarian waiting to get out. You're right. And sometimes people say, oh, Canadians are so nice. And and I suppose in some ways we're polite. We're always saying sorry. You know, that's our favorite saying. But but for some people, it's sort of a passive aggressiveness, I think. And Justin Trudeau is very much that way. He's got a good EQ, as they say. He he looks you in the eye when he's talking to you. He's he's not a particularly handsome man, but compared to other politicians, he is. So, you, you know, he he's managed to connect with people. But over the course of time, people realize that's inauthentic and that friendly exterior masks a bit of an inner authoritarian. There have been flashes of that over the years. I don't know if you remember, but before he was elected prime minister, he was asked a question that he hadn't scripted an answer to. So he answered honestly by accident. He was asked, other than Canada, what country do you most admire? That's actually a great question, isn't it? And he said, China... And if he would have ended there, okay, he could have said, I like the food, the culture, the language, the architecture, the history, and maybe that's a good answer. But he went on, he said, because of its basic dictatorship, he literally chose the worst thing about China. And he said, that's the country most admires. And you might recall, he's a fan of um, Castro. His, his father would vacation there in Cuba. In fact, there's rumors that maybe Castro's his actual father. The, the photographs of them young certainly look a lot alike. I don't know if that's true or not. But Trudeau has always had a fascination for tyrants. He sucks up to the Chinese dictators today. He's been soft on Iran's ayatollahs. So, and and by the way, he's broken with the United States and the UK, and he has voted with Hamas at the United Nations. He's the only world leader, for example, the only G7 leader who has not, who refuses to visit Israel since the war. So Justin Trudeau uh, has this glamorous love for tyranny, and it's really gross. And I think the federal court confirmed what we all suspected, which is Justin Trudeau looks like a liberal on the outside, but he's a bit of a fascist on the inside. Oh, he's totally one. So I, I, first of all, Ezra, I just want to brag on you. I love what you're doing. It's much higher stakes to do what you're doing at Rebel News than what I do. America has a lot of problems, but we really do have robust First Amendment protections here. We literally, I mean, the, the civil courts are still a little bit tough here. But Ezra, you guys have a you're, you live in a totalitarian country. Can you talk about how they've targeted you? I mean, this is not a joke. Canada is not a free country anymore. It doesn't have the same First Amendment tradition that we do in this country. And so the fact that you keep on sticking your neck out, that you keep on talking about this stuff is so inspiring to me because I feel as if I'm communicating to somebody in East Germany. Well, I like to say that Canada is a laboratory for bad ideas. Uh, and, and we're experimenting with what is 
internet censorship look like? What does open borders, mass migration look like? What does carbon taxes and now nitrogen taxes look like? So you can look at Canada as a kind of time machine, Charlie. What's five years into America's future? Because bad ideas that start here often seep into the US. So the things that you find worrying about Canada America is not immune to them. Let me give you a quick example because you asked about censorship. I don't know if you know my colleague, David Menzies. He's, he, he wears a, a funny fedora and he's always got that sort of Columbo style. He accosted our deputy prime minister and finance minister on the street and just asked her a very you know, reasonable question. Why won't she ban a terrorist group called the um, Islamic, sorry, the, uh, the uh, Iranian Republican Guard Corps? It's a terrorist group. And he, he asked her the question twice, and it was a fine question, public policy question of a public person in the public street, no problem. But you may have seen the viral video because we were filming this and suddenly our, our colleague David Menzies was swarmed by Mounties. And they grabbed him, smashed him against the wall, and then accused him of assaulting the finance minister. And they handcuffed him and put him into a police car. And that's not the first time our journalists have been arrested. And and the whole time, this cabinet minister was just sort of smirking and was quite pleased with it. They're, they are they developed a news license, a government license for journalists called the QCJO, Qualified Canadian Journalism Organization. You have to apply to the government to be granted a journalism license. Obviously, we applied and were rejected um, because it's it's a way that the government gives and takes privileges and power. Um, we don't take any government money, but 99% of journalists in Canada take enormous amounts of money from Justin Trudeau for their media. So, of course, they're going to be very gentle on Trudeau. We don't, so we get the stick. We've been banned from attending election debates. We've had to run to the court to, to get justice. I really feel like Justin Trudeau, the more control he has over the media, and he's got a lot of control, the more he hates the few holdouts. We're actually pretty small, Charlie. We're just 45 guys and gals here at Rebel News. You know, we're, we're a small outfit compared to, let's say, the CBC state broadcaster, which gets $1.5 billion a year from Trudeau. And it's actually larger than all other private sector media combined. So we're just this tiny little ant. But he's so angry that he can't control us. It's like he's going around the house trying to hit this ant with a sledgehammer and he's busting up the whole place. We're going to keep doing it, and I love, I love, it. I love it. when I love Americans it. pay attention. No, 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 no. We need I, your I, help, Charlie. I, I love it. Yeah, so no, to finish that thought, Ezra, because I'm inspired to come and visit and help because Tucker has – and I'll, I'll be very honest with you, Ezra. You know, there was this very strange thing where I had to go to Canada recently in the last couple of years, and I got a notice from the Canadian government that I might – I shouldn't – it was like a very weird thing where I was on a list and – I don't know. It was a very murky thing. And I could tell you the whole story. And I, it wasn't like overt, like, don't come here. But it was really cryptic. And it, it freaked me out. And that was right near the trucker thing. It was right. And I was like, I don't know if I'm if I'm am I going to get arrested if I go to Canada? I want to talk about that Rebel News and Tucker, because Tucker, when I found out that Tucker was doing a rally in Canada, I said, I'm like, he's going to be put in prison. He's going to be put in prison. Hey everyone, Charlie Kirk here. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they are the only one. 
Glenn and the team have been great supporters of this program, which is why I'm so proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious liberty, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, our vet military veterans, and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. So keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. Their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash charlie or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use offer code charlie. Join me and make the switch today. That is patriotmobile.com slash charlie. That is patriotmobile.com slash charlie or call 972-PATRIOT. Join me and make the switch today. That is patriotmobile.com slash charlie and free activation using offer code charlie. Yes, hi. I, I couldn't understand the French part, but it's Tucker Carlson calling from the United States. And I'd be grateful if you pass a message on to the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. We are coming to liberate Canada. We are coming to liberate Canada. And we'll be there soon. Merci. I just love that. So Ezra, I got so, so Tucker's got courage. I'll, I'll tell you the story. So w- w- one of our friends owns a um, an, an airline service, and he was flying us private from Bozeman, Montana to Kalispell, Montana. But the plane was coming from Canada, and for whatever reason, they had to submit who the next passengers were going to be. And we get a call. They said, "Hey, the Canadian government is flagging this, and we've only seen this when someone's on a no-fly list." And we got it cleared up, and maybe it was nothing in a confusion, but it was right during the trucker thing, like right during it. Um, and I was the only one that probably would have flagged it. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was a paperwork thing. Maybe it was just some sort of, but I, I want to play this as B-roll as 138. Tucker Carlson just had a massive hockey game style attendance in Edmonton. What's going on here? The Patriots of Canada are rising up, Ezra. Yeah, I was there last night. I think I might've even filmed the clip you're showing. There was about 10,000 folks in Edmonton and uh, that was at 7.30 p.m. And earlier that day, there was about 4,000 folks in Calgary. The, the, that's a lot of people. I don't think Justin Trudeau uh, could fill a stadium like that in Canada. I don't know if you saw the MMA, uh, MMA fight in uh, Toronto where everyone was chanting F Trudeau, F Trudeau. So Tucker was welcomed as a conquering hero. Now, you saw that video where he was having a little bit of fun leaving messages for Trudeau in French and English. Canada's media is so dour, so humorless, that when Tucker makes jokes about liberating Canada, and he does it with a straight face, the media here goes berserk. And in fact, um, it wasn't just Tucker speaking. Jordan Peterson joined him. He's probably the most famous Canadian around the world. Um, and, And someone else who joined was the premier of the province of Alberta, who would be sort of politically like the governor of Texas. Alberta is the province where those two uh, big Tucker events were. So the premier of the province sat down to talk to Tucker. So it was quite a whole show. Today in press scrum, she was being grilled by Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster. Why did you meet with him? Do you endorse, like like the, the cancel culture tried to scupper Tucker's event tried to cancel the premier from meeting with them, but it didn't work. That's one of the things that I loved about Tucker's visit. He didn't care. Uh, in fact, he liked to poke 
at the attempted cancelers and the, the censors. It was a great talk. And you know, sometimes an outsider coming in and telling you his thoughts on your situation, it's, you know, we're, we're living the Canadian situation every day. Tucker is an outsider. And when he came in and he said, look, mock Trudeau, mock Christia Freeland, laugh at them. They hate it. They got a thin skin and that's a way to take them down a peg. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's good advice. And Tucker's got a natural sense of humor. Leftists do not. Ask any comedian. They don't want to go to campuses for the, for the yes. comedy circuit anymore because you're not allowed to make fun of anything. Which is too bad because Canada produces the best comedians. I think you guys have the most comedians per per citizen of any country in the history. I mean, it's like Jews and Canadians that are like disproportionately fill the, the, the comedian industry. It's true. Half a Saturday Night Live. I think even Lauren Michaels himself was Canadian. And, no, it's and maybe, totally true. And, and, <laughs> Yeah. And and I think it's because Canada, we have that sort of fake politeness. So if you want to really be rambunctious, you have to go to America, the First Amendment place. And I think the fact that we have not had your strong First Amendment has been to our discredit. And you asked about the carrots and sticks Trudeau has taken to Rebel News and the few other independent journalists. It's brutal. I mean, after... Uh, payroll, our number two expense is not rent, it's not computers, it's not travel, it's lawyers. We're constantly battling attempts to censor us or pushing back when they arrest us. We've been arrested, I don't know, half a dozen times now. And, and it's all, there was only one shooting during the entire trucker convoy. Other than that, it was completely peaceful. There was really no crime whatsoever, but there was one shooting, Charlie, I don't know if you know this, our reporter, Alexa Lavoie, an, a Mountie took a riot gun aimed it right at her leg and fired like a riot round, which is not meant to be shot at a person. The only shooting was a, a Royal Canadian Mounted Police shooting our reporter. And I'm sorry, I don't believe that's a coincidence. And, and we were suing the, the Mounties over that. And we've got some disclosure. And they, they knew exactly who she was. And after they shot her, they didn't even offer her first aid. Like, that's how bad it is. I mean, thank God they haven't killed anyone. But when you throw people in jail for weeks, or in some cases, years, when you seize bank accounts, when you deploy riot police, and when you shoot journalists, um, I, think, I think we're in trouble, Charlie. Ezra, maybe I have to visit Canada. And, uh, We'd you, love to have you. You guys could bail me out if I get arrested. Ezra, God bless you. Hey, everybody, Charlie Kirk here. Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code Kirk and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. The 100% made in USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the, as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-875-0425. Use promo code Kirk and get free shipping on your entire order. So call 800-875-0425 or go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. That is MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. I think so highly of Mike Lindell. He's a great patriot. He's a terrific person. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code Kirk. Joining us now is Tom Fitton. Tom, welcome to the program. Tom, there's a couple stories I want to hit with you. The first of which is this census story and how illegals are counted in the census. 
walk our audience through that. Well, uh, the census counts persons, uh, whether they're here lawfully or not, and uh, whether they're citizens or not. And uh, why is that important? Well, um, the census is used to uh, distribute money, tax money, uh, to the various states. It's also used in the apportionment of Congress, meaning how congressional districts are set up. So if a state has more persons, legal or otherwise, you know, citizens or not, then another state, they stand to benefit uh, from mass immigration, legal and otherwise. So in 2020, uh, the Center for Immigration Studies showed that there was a, a 25, 24 vote swing in favor of Democratic leading states as a result of these extra people on the um, in the census. So they're more powerful in the House of Representatives uh, and they gain seats under this uh, scenario. Uh, what that means is that, you know, let's say a, a congressman in New York City has fewer actual citizens voting for him. He may represent the same number of people, but have fewer voters. And therefore, those voters are more powerful in the House uh, than, for instance, a district where uh, there were more lawful citizens present. And uh, it's going to get worse in 2030 because we have these astronomical numbers. So unless the millions of new aliens who have arrived uh, are removed or the laws changed or the Constitution is jiggered with, uh, it's going to disproportionately and potentially historically benefit uh, the Democratic Party and the left. Yeah, and so I just want to understand. So foreigners, non-passport holders are counted in how we figure out who's going to represent who. And I did the math years ago. We're trying to find this tweet. But for example, some of these, and it would hurt some red states, but it would hurt blue states far more. I mean, you look at California or New York, they potentially could lose six or seven congressional seats. I mean, the population is actually far inflated. And that with that, electoral votes as well. And so, Tom, this has been sued on before, but do we really think the founding fathers and the framers wanted non-citizens, people that are not even here correctly, to be counted in representation? I don't. I don't think they intended for nationals who um, aren't here legally in the least to be counted. I think they might. I think there might be a constitutional argument for permanent residents to be counted, uh, but certainly aliens who aren't supposed to be here. The idea that they um, the politicians who represent them obtain increased political power, or at least the states that have them present and obtain increased political power in the House is, I think, the very opposite of what the founders or the writers of the 14th Amendment in this respect uh, would have, in, uh, would have um, envisioned. And on top of that, uh, when you have large numbers of aliens present in the United States, it's a numbers game in terms of voting as well, because even though under the law they're not allowed to vote, uh, when they're asked, when when there's a voter registration form they fill out for the federal elections, all they're asked to do is to attest whether they're citizens or not. And there's no double checking of that. There's no verification process. Uh, so a certain number of aliens register the vote, and then of those, a certain number vote. It's sure you can be sure as sure as as surely as uh, night follows day. And, um, you know, so my question for the Senate, right, as they negotiate their latest amnesty proposals, you know, maybe they can add in something about 
uh, requiring citizenship verification in order to register to vote and to vote. And so let's play a, a piece of tape here. And I'm going to find this tweet because it's, it's from a couple of years ago. Let's play cut 144, please. And from Brooklyn, New York, we have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could, could clearly uh, fit here. So, so Tom, she's saying that. And she doesn't have to ask for their vote. No. So she gets to represent these adults who are foreign nationals yes. without having asked for their vote. So there's less, there's, so all of her friends have increased power who are voters in those types of districts. And I, I don't think Americans like that. If they understood it, I think they would object vociferously. Yeah. I think if you told the average American, Hey, people that are here illegally get representation, I, I don't think they would be on board for that. I want to also highlight this amazing story. Well, that, I mean, just think yeah, in New York please. and California where you have voters and citizens leaving the state, uh, the influx of aliens uh, greatly mitigates uh, the potential loss of congressional house seats of result, as a result of regular citizens leaving those states. That, 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 that's exactly right. So, so Tom, I want to highlight this other story here. Judicial Watch does such a great job. You know, there is this, the, the left gaslights us. They say, oh, there were never forces working against Donald Trump. There is no deep state. We now have piece of evidence after piece of evidence. And this one in particular, Eric Chimarella, who we forgot about, the guy that triggered the first impeachment. You now have documents and you're suing the Defense Department. And I want to make sure I get these facts correctly, that he was overheard two weeks after Trump became president talking about how to remove Trump from office. This guy is a he he is an employee of the federal government serving the president chatting about how to get rid of the president. Tom, walk us through this extraordinary story. So our friend Paul Sperry over at Real Clear uh, Investigations reported that he had um, a defense um, uh, source who overheard this conversation, let's get Trump, and they were going to oppose his policies. And Chiramella, and I, you know, we're not allowed to say his name uh, for YouTube purposes uh, because YouTube is protecting the deep state as a CIA person, as according to various reports. And the person he was talked to later went to work for Adam Schiff. And many folks think that was his connection in the subsequent impeachment targeting of, of, of Trump uh, by Schiff uh, to retaliate and protect Joe Biden um, uh, from Trump's concern about Ukraine corruption. Uh, but now we know that this uh, anti-Trump animus extended to the early part of the administration. Of course, it's no surprise given Obama and Comey and company were trying to do similar things. Uh, so we sued the Defense Department because we said, you know, there was a, there, the, the um, Paul Sperry report suggested there was um, reporting uh, to their seniors in the Defense Department about what they overheard. We want to know what's going on. And of course, the Biden Defense Department doesn't want to give us any documents. So we're now in federal court over it. Uh, but, you know, this is you know, what's old is almost always new in Washington, D.C., right, Charlie? I mean, this is Ukraine, Burisma, impeaching Trump for taking on the deep state, the intelligence community targeting and abusing their authority, uh, targeting Trump by abusing their authority. Uh, talk about sedition and insurrection. 
you had slow motion coups going on day after day in Washington, D.C. when Trump was president. And, and, and this is just can you can you elaborate other examples that we have um, that play into this, that kind of that we know that there was this active deep state against Donald Trump that you guys at Judicial Watch have been uncovering? Well, look, there was an op-ed in the New York Times written by an anonymous employee who turned out to be a senior official in the Department of Homeland Security talking about how he and his resistance colleagues in the in the uh, agencies were opposing Trump. Uh, we had the FBI spying on Trump while he was president of the United States. We uncovered the FISA warrants showing the targeting of Trump. Uh, the first time in history that freedom, uh, the Freedom of Information Act was able to obtain these Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants. And, you know, what's frustrating to me is that few, if little, um, a few, if any, accountability took place over this corruption. Now things have metastasized. They're abusing the Justice Department to target Trump. Uh, and um, and you can expect that this type of behavior we're seeing now is going to be even worse if uh, uh, President Trump is reelected. Talk broadly also about other things you're working on right now at Judicial Watch, Tom. Any other programs or projects you want our audience to be aware of? You know, we're we're very interested in this election issue, um, and uh, we just cleaned up as a result of our investigation and, and threats of litigation, 103,000 dirty names from the voter rolls just here in Washington, D.C. alone. California, the voting rolls are a mess. We've uncovered voting rolls being um, a, a disaster in Illinois as well. So expect federal lawsuits there. Uh, but even before that, we've cleaned up four million names from the voter rolls in just the last year and a half or so. Uh, so um, dirty voting rolls, Charlie, I don't need to explain to you why that's an opportunity for dirty elections and voter fraud. Uh, so it's urgent that we ensure that their voting rolls are clean, especially since uh, in too many states, uh, they mail everybody and their mother a ballot. Keep up the great work, Tom. Judicial Watch is one of the most important organizations in the country, and we support it 100 percent. Tom, thank you so much. You're welcome, Charlie. I want to tell you guys about what we're doing on Monday. On Monday, we have this amazing event, Turning Point Action event, Restoring National Confidence in Vegas. It's going to be amazing. We have Bannon coming. We have Don Jr. coming. It's Restoring National Confidence. Las Vegas, Nevada for two days, January 28th and 29th and uh, 29th and 30th. I'm sorry. It's going to be all about grassroots training, technology, the whole thing. There's a whole nother primary that's coming through here. And if we don't fix the RNC, we are going to be in a very compromised and difficult position. I'm hearing more and more whispers, though, that the Obama team is putting the gang back together. The Biden campaign is spinning Joe Biden's age like this, play cut 12. Look, when it comes to the president's age, we have a simple formula for that, and that's results. Um, you know, age equals wisdom equals results and experience. And President Biden, uh, because of his age, has come to the table and brought people together from both sides of the aisle to deliver. When it comes to African-American voters, I want to be very clear about this, that no administration has done as much for the African-American community as President Biden and Vice President Harris. <clears throat> We're talking about black wealth being up 60 percent. The racial wealth gap being the lowest as it ever been in recorded history. We have to continue to take this message directly to African-American voters, and our campaign has done that. They are struggling big time with black voters. They are seeing huge, huge defections. 
in urban America, in black America? What is the path forward for Joe Biden? They think they can run on abortion. They think they can run up the score with their ballot chasing operation and their get out the vote operation. And RFK is going to be on the ballot in all 50 states. As it stands now, I think that hurts Trump, but that's changing. It's getting to a place where it could end up hurting Democrats more than Republicans. It is moving. Play cut 133. Well, you know, I'm already, uh, my favorability ratings are now better than either President Trump or President Biden. I am beating both President Trump and President Biden in Americans, all Americans under 45 in the six battleground states. I'm uh, I'm beating them across the country, but um, I'm gaining points in the election about one point a week a month. And I've got nine months and I've got uh, all I need to do is to get the 34 points to win the election. And I'm already at 24. Wow. Average in the battleground states. Are you so on the, I, you know, are you on the ballot in the, in these battlegrounds? No, but I'll be on the ballot in every state and the District of Columbia. We just completed our, our signatories today. Now, he's a Massachusetts liberal. We had him on the show. We had a good conversation. We challenged him on some stuff. The conversation went viral. We'll have him back on. But if you have multiple candidates, if he's going to be on the ballot in all 50 states, by the way, if he actually ends up polling, I, don't, I haven't seen the 24%, but if he ends up pouring, polling at 10 to 15%, I just hope you understand that means he'll be on the debate stage. If he's at 10 to 15 percent, it's going to be very, very hard not to have him on the stage of the presidential debate commission. And he'll make a big stink about it. He'll probably sue if there is even a debate, by the way, between Trump and Biden. There might be no presidential debates. They just might get rid of it. Biden will probably not debate. But then you have Cornell West, you have Jill Stein. If Donald Trump can break 40 percent, if Donald Trump can break 41 or 42 percent, which he, of course, can do in most of these states. Not to mention there's this no-labels candidacy that is lurking. Nikki Haley might run no-labels with Joe Manchin. They might run on some sort of unity ticket. Will Michelle Obama be called out of Martha's Vineyard? There's far more disarray on the Democrat side than there is on the Republican side, and no one would have thought that would be possible a year ago. It looked terrible for Trump. He was facing all these indictments. Bitter, nasty primary with DeSantis, January 6th. There's all these questions of whether you should run again. And a year later, it is the complete opposite story. It is Biden's numbers that are super low. There is real defections happening in the Democrat Party against Joe Biden. Then you have RFK, you have Cornell West, you have Jill Stein. How they're going to sort this out remains to be seen. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us is always freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless. For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.